It's been on my heart for the last couple plus weeks. And it still remains a a focus because we want to make sure that no matter what what size a church is, we want to make sure that there are people within that church who recognize the importance of service. And we can very easily say that service involves what we do outside of the church, but we also have to recognize that we're here in the body of Christ to also serve others within the church. So I want you to think on those terms as we get ready to take a bit of a journey here today. Um, And it'll start off with a conversation about a journey that my wife and I took uh, on the way back home from vacation. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you again for this time that you have set aside for us to sit quietly now and allow the Spirit to speak. The words that I want to speak are not my own words, but your words. And I thank you, Lord, for how you indeed enrich us with your presence. Lord, may we hear your wisdom and knowledge. May you speak to us and be very deliberate with what you have to say to us, not just as a group, but individually. We thank you, Lord, and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. My lovely bride and I were returning home from a wonderful vacation about three weeks ago. And during the return, we were both sensing that there was going to be an issue making a connection from our Charlotte flight to Akron-Canton Airport. The weather in Savannah was very warm, but it had developed a lot of thunderstorms that delayed a number of flights. As we were approaching Charlotte, I had the sinking feeling that we were both going to have have to run once we touched down at the airport to make our connecting flight to Akron-Canton. So for the first time in many years, we were going to have to make a break for it with luggage in hand, and we had a window of about 15 minutes to go from Concourse B to Concourse E. If you know anything about Charlotte's airport, it's not a small airport, it's a pretty good-sized airport. And for whatever reason, we were landing at Concourse B instead of E. So the estimated walk time between those concourses is about 15 minutes. But we could not risk walking the entire way knowing that our next flight was boarding right then as we were landing. So my bride and I took off. All I can say is that I was running and breathing hard at the same time while carrying the heavier piece of luggage. Lynn was behind me by about 20 yards, and she was a trooper, but she kept up. Um, Amen, amen. (laughs) I kept watching the overhead signs, too. 15 minutes away, 10 minutes away, 7 minutes away. That's if you were walking. I almost knocked over someone who was oblivious to what was going on because we weren't the only ones trying to catch a flight right then. Um, Finally, as we approached Concourse E, and I could see our gate, 
I told Lynn we can walk the rest of the way. <laughs> By that time, that's all we could do is walk. And the plane was in the middle of boarding, and we had made it. If we had walked the entire way, I don't think we would have made it. So we're thankful for the limited amount of walking and conditioning that we both do. The next day, we felt the harsh after effects of this, but hey, we made it home. Amen. We'll take that as a win. Now, interestingly, there are Bible passages that speak of how we are to walk, how we are to run, or follow a path. Now, this message is about more than just moving around physically. We must inject faith in God in this conversation. It is a very important aspect of how we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are called to live. It's not the physical aspect as much, but the spiritual aspect of living and moving with Jesus. So first, let's use examples here as to how we are to walk in the Spirit with God. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. And we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7. Verse 6. 2 Corinthians 5. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? Flip back now to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Just getting started and getting revved up here. Psalm 119 and verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. Verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And go now and back up into the New Testament, Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, there are many other verses that refer to walking in the Spirit. This is just a, a sampling and talking about being on a path, right? But now let's look at running in the Spirit. Running is often compared to distance running. Now, I know that I was never a distance runner. I couldn't run a distance. I, I thought that when in my freshman year, 
in college way back in 1977. I'm going back that far, yes. Um, just running a mile for me was like running a million miles. So I'm not a distance runner, but when it comes to our faith, we are distance runners in many ways. We have those same characteristics. There are mental factors that come into running. They come into play. Not just a short distance like what my wife and I did when we were running through an airport, but we're talking about a much longer test of endurance. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at Hebrews 12 verse 1. Hebrews 12 verse 1. And look at what it says in verse 1, which is very interesting. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, this one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run, what does it say? With endurance, the race God has set before us. Do you look at this as a race? Something that's before you that has to be done. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 9. A little bit more of an, uh, a verse that talks about running. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. Verse 24, 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might, I myself, might be disqualified. There's training involved. And of course, our training, plain and simple, is being in the Word every day. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I'll just read that to you. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's what Paul wrote in his letter to Timothy. Our personal goal should be to echo Paul's words. At some point in the future, I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished the race. That should be our goal. So we see examples of movement in the faith, whether we are walking or running, and there is a path involved. Walking along a path, for our purposes, means that we are sensitive to following God's direction as we go. It would be really disconcerting if we were walking on a path, but we weren't following the Lord's direction. 
that we weren't moving according to his will. We should always be sensitive to moving in that manner where we're following his will as we go. Walking is a deliberate action to get from one place to another. And walking in faith is moving and growing in one's personal relationship with Jesus. Running is all about going through the appropriate training and discipline as we learn more about Jesus and to stand and resist the devil as we go. Taking a stand against the devil as we go. It brings to mind the importance of living in God's image. Some of you have heard this before. Some of you haven't. It's something that might be new to you. Image is the acronym that we have used in the past to present this concept. Living in God's image. The I in image is investigating God's word. Not just really reading it, but digging into it. Amen? Digging into his word. We're not reading the Bible as a novel. We're reading it as a resource. And it requires sometimes looking at concordances and different commentaries to understand what we're reading. But that's really investigating what Scripture says. The M in image is meditating on his word. You're using the appropriate prayer time during your daily readings. You should be praying about what you're reading. Meditating on his word day and night, as it says in the scriptures. The A in image is acting on his word by walking in faith as you follow your path. What you've read, now you're putting to practice. Acting on his word. The G in image, growing in his word by moving along in the power of the Holy Spirit as it teaches you. You're growing. You're progressing. And E, enduring in the strength of his word because the race we run is long and sometimes quite difficult. But yet there you are. You're running the race. You're keeping the faith. Here's a question for some of us to consider. Why do we have tendencies to be lazy in our faith? Ooh, that took an ugly turn, didn't it? Why do we have tendencies to be lazy in our faith? So we have to ask this question. Are we walking in faith and not by sight? Are we running in the faith in service for Jesus? Are we on any kind of path at all? If we're not on a path, then we're probably somewhere on the sidelines. In all three of these instances, we're not effective in our service for Jesus. Now, my desire is to present an argument that many of us have become entirely too complacent in our present state. Entirely too complacent. Yes, we love Jesus, and Jesus loves us, but if we're being completely honest about our state of being, we would see how we are falling short of what Jesus, is, Jesus expects from his people. We sometimes are falling short. Jesus has expectations. 
of what we as believers should be doing. Whether you like it or not, it's laziness. Now, to avoid offending my entire audience, which I may have already done, but I'm taking a risk. Let's define laziness. The Cambridge Dictionary defines it as a noun, meaning the quality of, listen carefully, not being willing to work or use any effort. Not being willing to work or use any effort. That's laziness. Now, this is also referred to in Scripture. You know what the word is? Idleness. Idleness is the word used in Scripture to refer to laziness. At our very worst, in our most fleshly behavior, our idleness deteriorates into becoming gossips and busybodies, as you note in 1 Timothy 5.13. You can make a note of that passage. I'm not going to it. But that's what happens when we don't have anything to do. We start worrying about what somebody else is doing. Believers are called to do much better than this. Amen? Amen. Take a look at James chapter 1. Let's look at James 1 and let's look at verses 22 through 25. James 1 verses 22 through 25. We as believers should not be gossips, busybodies, worrying about what somebody else is doing. At the end of the day, you worry about yourself. Amen? You know, it's just real world talk, right? But we have to mention this because we also know that the world has been in our churches and we have to recognize that sometimes it's easy to point fingers at somebody else when you ain't got yourself together. James 1, verses 22 through 25. Let's start at verse 22. New Living Translation. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just listen to what the word is. Do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. This is the proverbial, don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Flip over to 2 Thessalonians 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And let's look at what it says in verses 11 and 12. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 11 and 12. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 11. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their living. Now one thing I wanted to point out here, this is communication that's supposed to be to believers. James wrote his book to believers. 
and the Thessalonians were also believers. So we're not talking about people in the world. These are people who knew better and sometimes had to be encouraged to do the right thing. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Don't neglect to do what's good. That should always be our way of thinking, our way of doing, doing what is good. Now, it's not a stretch to conclude here that everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ should be doing something for good within the body of Christ. Amen? Doing something. Emphasis on the word something. All caps in my notes. Doing something. This takes us to what we will deem to be our reasonable service for Jesus. What is our reasonable service for Jesus? Turn to Romans 12. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Our reasonable service. Now I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Um, but the words are going to be very much the same in many different versions here. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And I think it's important for us to come back and remember what Jesus did for us as we go through this process. Verse 1, Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And our perfection is not anything that we're doing. It's because God is making us perfect in the process. Living in God's image is epitomized in this passage. You're doing the things necessary to prepare yourself for service and now acting on his word and living in this manner. Your spiritual worship. Whether we are walking in faith or running with endurance, we are to give everything we have to Jesus and don't hold anything back. Amen? You're giving it all to him. You're presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Words mean things. We need to understand that. Words mean things. You're giving of yourself. For those of us who tend to overthink in a number of areas, and some of us just overthink a lot of things, we need to just stop thinking and just start trusting more in Jesus. Stop thinking so much about it. Just trust him in the process. Amen. The more we overthink this whole process, the less likely we're going to be God's living sacrifice because we're looking at every little detail that has nothing to do with service. Let's discuss this further. Point number one, present yourself before Jesus and others. Put yourself out there. Present yourself before others and Jesus. 
make yourself known as a servant of Jesus. Not in a way where you're bragging about it, but you're just saying you're available. Let's take a look at why we say this. Go to Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse 4. Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. Now this is an approach that's a mindset. I want you to see this here. There's a mindset going on here. Exodus 3, verse 4. Now this is the NIV version. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, and at, I'm adding at the burning bush. This is, this is what Moses is looking at. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Think about that. Now flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4. I think it's a great coincidence that both of these are chapter 3, verse 4 verses, but we'll take that for what it is. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4. 1 Samuel 3, verse 4. I'm also going to read the NIV version as well. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. Plain and simple, right? One more. Go to Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah 6, verse 8. Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 8. I'll wait for the page turners. I know some of us who has the electronic device, bing, bing, that's it. We have to wait for those who have the Bibles. That's okay. Isaiah 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, that's Isaiah saying, Here am I, send me. Please consider that Aaron, this is another example in Leviticus chapter 9, went through an ordination process as God's appointed priest, and it was followed by the Lord consecrating him to become the high priest of the people of Israel. Now, the Hebrew word for consecration literally means to fill the hand. To fill the hand. That means that we come to God with empty hands as we say, Here am I, Lord. Here I am, Lord. We come to him with empty hands. If we're open to his call, he's going to do the filling with what he has for us to do. This is what consecration is. And we go through a process in the CMA about consecration and ordination. We make ourselves available for service. And that's what this is. I trust you can see where I'm going with this. When the Lord calls you, how quick are you to say, here I am? How quick are you to say, here I am? When the Lord calls you, and he can do this audibly or through reading scripture, you're reading and studying a scripture, what's your response? Perhaps he's been calling you for a while. We won't use any names. 
Melvin, 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 except my name. Is this convenient? You know, what's your response? Well, are you going to be like, not right now! Is that going to be your response? Well, that might explain the idleness I was just talking about. If your attitude about serving Jesus is not right, if there are more important things to do on your personal agenda, then we all can make excuses. Amen? Amen? There's only one amen to that, brother. That's, that's only you. <laughs> the personal agenda. But how are you going to be his living sacrifice? If you've always got an excuse. Your ways will always take precedence over his ways in that instance. But be careful because your way of thinking isn't better. You might think your way is right. But take a look what it says in Isaiah 55 verse 6. One of the things we have to always take into account is that God is so many steps ahead of us. So far above our way of thinking and reasoning that we think we're slick about stuff sometimes. We ain't, but we ain't slick at all, really. Isaiah 55, verse 6, and we're going to look at verses 8 and 9 after that, too. Isaiah 55, verse 6. And look at what it says in verse 6. I want you to understand how important this is for you to recognize that you've only got so many opportunities. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Now that's about you. That's not about God. Because we are hard-hearted. Even the disciples, and when they were going through training, right in front of Jesus and watching him do things like feed the 5,000 plus and walking across water, they had hardened hearts themselves. They were still learning, who is this man? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Then drop down to verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than my thoughts than your thoughts. We need to give ourselves a check sometimes about what we think what we're doing, are we really seeking the Lord or are we just staying fleshly? You're going to need to let Jesus know that you're ready for service. You're going to need to let him know. You need to acknowledge his call. It's only then that he will move you to the next phase of action. What's the next phase of action? Point number two, allow the Spirit to move you from idleness into faithful service. Move you from idleness into faithful service. Now, it begins with the faith of the unknown. That's what faith is. We don't know the outcome. We're still learning about Jesus, true enough. But if you have never done something before, if you're trying something new, you don't know what to expect from it. You do something brand new, you don't know what to expect. People go into business all the time. And there's always a statistic out there that Many businesses fail within the first five years. 
that's a real statistic. But you still don't know what to expect. You have to keep working at it. Here's something else that we tend to do when we try something. We overthink that too. Overthinking can make this new thing to do a fearful experience. A fearful experience. Well, fear is the exact, exact opposite of faith. Here are some words of advice. Just relax a little and have faith. Just relax and have faith. Take a look at 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy 1, chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. We have to understand where fear comes from. God is not giving us this fear. But of power, love, and self-discipline. And honestly, of all those things there, power, love, and self-discipline, discipline's pretty important. Some of us move without discipline. We are undisciplined. Everything can't be a party. Everything can't be a great experience. We need to have self-discipline. We need to have discipline when it comes to reading the word, don't we? Amen? The enemy wants to paralyze you in fearfulness. The enemy wants to paralyze you in fearfulness. What are you afraid of? Failure? Well, hey, come and check me out. I'm the king of failure. Here I am. I'm the king of failure. There are times when you have to do things. Every successful person has had to deal with trying something and failing. Every successful person has tried something, didn't work. Does that mean you stop trying? Failure is a way of helping you to learn to not make the same mistakes. And that's what's involved in ministry too. The ultimate failure is not trying. The ultimate failure is not trying something. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Don't even try. Don't waste your time. Don't bother to get involved in something like this. That stuff's beneath you. You ain't got to worry about that. Of course, that's a lie. And we need to have more of the attitude that talks about in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. You don't need to turn to that. But it says, don't worry about anything. <clears throat> Instead, pray about everything. Amen? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We've heard that passage before. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Take a look at 1 Peter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10.
1 Peter 4, verse 10. Verse 10, 1 Peter 4. God has given each of you a gift from a great, his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. We have at least one gift that God has given us. For the purpose of what? Serving him. So if you're idle, how are you serving him? He gave you a gift. Sometimes more than one. But you have a gift. Listen to and follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit as you go. You will absolutely love what he says as you move along in faith. Move along in faith. You know, this analogy, you know, sometimes for some of us, we have to even make pretty large statements about what faith is. You better believe that most people who go up in an airplane and jump out of it with a parachute, there has to be some faith that that parachute's going to open. Amen? And, you know, we know that there is some where something has happened and things have not worked out well. Um, but at the end of the day, the vast majority of people who go up in an airplane and get come out of it with a parachute, they survive. The vast majority. Sometimes faith is like that. From the last part of the passage in Romans 12, two, point number three, practice makes you perfect and in Christ. Practice makes you perfect in in Christ. The more that you trust in Jesus, the better you will be as you conform to the Spirit and live for Him. You're coming out of a place of idleness into a place where you become more comfortable. More comfortable. You have discernment as to His will. You have to keep asking and seeking and knocking to get God's discernment and make sure that you have what you need to be obedient to his will. But you have to keep seeking this. It's an active process. And of course, in that process, you're going to be more obedient too. Hiding the word in your heart that you do what? Not sin against God. Practice makes perfect in Christ. Remember everyone, this is your spiritual worship for Jesus. It's not going to always be easy. And at times it can be a little bit stressful. But this whole thing about living for Jesus is an important way for us to do what? Grow and mature. We need more mature believers. I'm pretty confident immature believers are those who just don't know the word. They just don't do the reading. They don't do the studying. They don't really get into the Word. Well, how is the Spirit supposed to work through you if you're not in the Word? Growing and maturing is very important. Uh, let's go to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Remember, James is written to believers. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And some of us are really soft sometimes. 
I don't want to try this because it's too hard. Is anything impossible if you're in line with Jesus? I don't know where we got that softness from. We have to toughen up a little bit. And here's why. It says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. We've got to get thicker skin. We've got to toughen up a little bit. The trials are there because, guess what? We're going to have opposition. Satan doesn't want you to try anything. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. Perfect and complete. You're going to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, because Jesus will always be with you through the tough times as well as the good times. Amen. You're perfect and complete because he's going to be with you no matter what's going on in your life. The tough times as well as the good times. Please go to Deuteronomy 31.8. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. There's a lot of wisdom in Deuteronomy. A lot of wisdom in Deuteronomy. And we want to make sure that we point out that for those who don't want to read the Old Testament, well, I can't help you. Jesus often quoted from the Old Testament. Jesus quoted three times from Deuteronomy during his temptation in the wilderness. It's becoming more and more important of a book for us to look at as a source. And here's one reason why. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. There are dozens of passages that refer to the Lord not leaving you or forsaking you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Your reasonable service is more than just doing something for Jesus. Listen very carefully. Your reasonable service is to do everything with Jesus in mind. That's your reasonable service. Do everything with Jesus in mind. We are to walk in faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Run in the faith and service for Jesus. A beautiful passage for that is Isaiah 40, 31. It's a beautiful passage. We are to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in order to move in the right direction. Where does that come from? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We are here to serve him. He created you and me for this moment in time to be in his service within the body of Christ and in today's world. One more passage, Ephesians 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2, verse 10. 
And remember I said when we talk about the Lord's ways are higher than our ways, our, his thoughts are higher. You're here for a reason and a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 tells you this. No accidents, everybody. No accidents. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How can we conceive that? It's really difficult for us to conceive of that, but that's exactly what he did. He knows who is going to be here at this time, who is here to serve him in the body of Christ. Please don't delay anymore in this. If you've been idle, don't delay in this anymore. It's God's will that you live as his child, his adopted child, right now. It's time to walk in faith. Time to run for the prize. It's your reasonable service for him. Father, we are so thankful that you continue to remind us of how much you love us and that we were chosen and selected by you to be of service for you. You gave us the ability to proclaim the good news to other people. You gave us the ability to not just be one who follows you, but now to be a servant for you. And Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you've given to us to do that very thing. Lord, we just want to praise and worship you for what you have done for us. May we always have the attitude and the mindset that we are here to serve you and that you are worthy of our praise because of you choosing us to do so. Thank you, Lord, again for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that you'll never leave us. Thank you for reminding us that we just need that mustard seed of faith to be able to step out before you. And we know that faith overcomes fear. Lord, we want to overcome whatever Satan puts in front of us. So help us to stay on the armor of God and move with your word as we go. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us and keeping us. And thank you for the reminder to avoid idleness. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.